Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Two. One, somebody keeps trying to join the Zoom meeting that is not part of the Zoom meeting. Go away. Um, Mr. Jeff Kyle, brother of Chris Kyle. And I should introduce myself as Tommy Kerrigan, brother of John Kerrigan. So we're just starting recording real quick. So we're just talking about this microphone, how it set me off. And uh, I think it was episode 777 or 776. I actually had people texting me and they're like, Hey, bro, you all right? Because <laughs> like, <laughs> so I was just telling you, I pulled the microphone out of like the cables and I was like, I was like, the CEO of this company is a pedophile. I was like, this company's terrible. And I was like, fuck this. And I just stopped and I was like, is it this time of year or is it this microphone? And I don't think it's the, it, kind of the microphone. It's a lot of money. It should be working. But and so what I was just saying to you, before, I'm not letting the microphone completely off the hook. And uh, uh, yeah, but like I was just saying to you, you know, um, this time of uh you know now it's april 28 26th but the week leading up to april 20 or april 15th i always get blind angry and the first year anniversary april 15th 2015 was really sad and every year after that it's just been this like it's almost like my period i get like a period yeah once yeah. A year. yeah yeah and, man. um but i kind of want to pick your brain on that um just because it's uh well, I mean, I don't rarely, rarely do I, I guess, I don't know if I've ever interviewed somebody that's lost their brother before. So it's kind of a, yeah. and I bring him up every episode. Um, yeah. But, but not to as, I don't want to make you just that. I don't want to make you Chris Kyle's brother. I mean, clearly you're your own person, but like, what, what is it like for you that time of year? I'm kind of, I'm kind of the same. Uh, I don't realize it. My yeah. wife points it out pretty pretty quickly. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. My coworkers, you know, they can see it. They'll they'll pull me to the side after a call, you know, because I'm a police officer, and they're like, "You're all right, brother," because yeah. you were, you know, that guy really didn't do a whole lot, and you kind of went off on him. <laughs> like, oh shit, yeah. Well, I guess today is the day. So yeah, yeah it's it's close. Yeah. So yeah, you know, I get I get exactly what you're talking about. You know, and you you don't realize it until somebody says something or until you actually catch yourself, you know, going a little overboard and you're like, yeah. oh, damn. You're like, I you're like I really lost my cool. And like yeah. and then sometimes you have to differentiate because again, I'm not gonna entirely let this microphone manufacturer off, off the hook. It's, <laughs> it's a fucking expensive microphone. But like so like I interview like a ton of authors and I always listen on Audible because I have the attention span of a frog. So I like, have to listen while I'm going to the gym and shit. And every once in a while, I'll interview an author and like your book's not an audible, which is fine. You get it on Kindle and then you can get your phone to just read it to you. It just reads the screen. It's for like, mm-hmm. it's, it, it's like a, it's a feature of iPhones for like blind people and for idiots like me that don't like to read. And so yeah. like, I'll just have it read it to me. And uh, it's, it's this sounds kind of unique, but like audible won't read you the footnotes of a book because you don't read the footnotes of a book you just keep going through yeah when your phone reads the screen 
it reads everything. So like if you get like a text while you're listening to the book, it will be like, Jeff Kyle, yeah, brother, see you then. And then you'll be <laughs> so so you have to put it on like airplane mode while you're like listening to it so you don't get anything. But right. it reads the footnotes, which is whatever I've done it a thousand times. And it was like it was like a week before. It was like a week before John's anniversary. And I was listening to this book. I was at the gym, like literally like I do every day. And it was just reading the footnotes at the bottom, which was like an extra 10 seconds a page. Mm-hmm. But it was, you know, it was like 2004, 7, November, New York Times, art, you know, and then start the next page. And I was like halfway, it was, I was lucky that I was alone at the gym because I was like halfway through like a set. And I didn't know if I was like going to cry or yell, but I was just, I just dropped the weights and I just went, just read the fucking book. And that was, <laughs> I, I stopped. It was biblical. It was like storming outside. And I stopped and I was like, you get a grip on it. And then like four hours later, I flipped out on the microphone and I was like, okay, taking a week off. <laughs> See you guys next week. And, but it does, you're absolutely correct in that it sneaks up on you and everyone listening might think, well, oh, how could you be so stupid as to have it sneak up on you on a predetermined date? It just does. It seeps yeah. up. It's like a bill. Yeah, you you try to made. prepare yourself. Yeah. And you tell yourself, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to do that this year. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not going to lose I'm my new, shit this I'm year. I'm a new man this year. But, I've yeah, evolved. Yeah. I'm, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, it just, it slaps you in the face without you realizing it. Yeah. And then it, and then it passes and you're like, Oh, now is that, and again, I don't want to like, I don't want to like limit you to just, like I said, Chris, but this is more for me. This is, it is kind of yeah. cool that I get to talk to someone that knows the insanity of it. you explain this to everybody <laughs> else. And they look at you and they're like, all right, like, uh, yeah, that, yeah you should make, be on some drugs. Yeah. They're like, that's cool. Tommy, are you, is everything okay? I'm like, I'm fine. It's just, you know, but, um, and, uh, I remember I was, I was talking to this girl and I told her, I was like, Hey, just so, I was like, you don't know me. Like we've been talking for a couple months, but this kind of happens to me this time of year. And she's like, all right. And then like a couple of days later, she was like, Oh, this really does happen. You're not making this up. And I was like, Oh <laughs> fuck. Is it that noticeable? And she's like, well, I don't know you that well, but I do know that this is a little out of character for, so that being said, um, yeah. um, as it does, as it does sneak up and then it, now for you does it immediately stop after because i find with me i mean it's kind of like flying into the eye of a storm it just or not for that that's a bad analogy because then you go back in it's flying out of a storm it just it's like being on a plane with turbulence and all of a sudden you punch through the clouds and and then i'm like oh we're good yeah i mean for the most part i've had years that it kind of lingered around for you know a few days past it but uh but yeah generally it just it comes it's punches me square in the face and then it's gone yeah you know it gives me that one one day one moment of you know insanity and then i'm good yeah no it it, i would say i really only cry about it probably once a year you know yeah now granted if i get like if if i get too shit-faced i will but that's kind of a given oh yeah you get too shit-faced you'll cry about your dog when you're five it just just, (laughs) that doesn't really count but like yeah I'll find whereas it used to be like, I mean, the first year after it was like every day and then it was like holidays mm-hmm. and then it was like seeing an old picture. But now it's it's pretty much around his anniversary. 
I'll yeah. kind of break down for like five, 10 minutes. And then it, you feel better at not to like disrespect my brother, but it's almost like throwing up or like taking a huge shit. You're just like, Oh my God, I feel better. <laughs> like it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and like me, uh, what gets me is if something big happens, you know, cause we'd always, we'd always talk about anything that happened to us during our day, during our deployment, things like that. Yeah. And, you know, we'd kind of, kind of bounce ideas off each other and be, you know, sounding board for each other. And like, even now, even to this day, you know, if something big happens at work, you know, I'll, I'll grab my phone and I want to tell him and I'll pull up his number. And I'm like, fuck, I can't yeah. tell him. Yeah. Yeah, man. But, it's, my, my brother always wanted to be in the air force and I'm lucky. I still have two other brothers, but my oldest brother always wanted to be in the air force. Didn't go, but was at Georgia tech was doing like post-grad research for the air force. So like I interviewed Charlie Duke, the youngest man mm-hmm. to ever walk on the moon. Like he like knew Neil Armstrong and shit. I mean, he's one of 10 guys. More people have been Pope than have walked on the moon. And like, yeah, yeah. When I interviewed him, it was, there's like no one I wanted to tell more. I was like, dude, I just talked to a guy that walked on the fucking moon. Mm-hmm. Like, he wa- I mean, when I interviewed him, it was like, I imagined it would be exactly like what John would do. Like, I was like 10 minutes in interviewing him and I kind of just like stopped and I was like, what is it like being on the moon, man? Like, I couldn't even like ask a normal question. Finally, I was like, what is and it's it was so beautiful because it's been like 50 years and he was still freaking out. He was like, it's crazy. You're on the moon. <laughs> and like, yeah, you know, yeah. it's like you're walking around going, oh, oh, my fuck, I'm on the moon. But like, <laughs> you know, him or like my brother was an engineer. I interviewed the head of of the NASA rover program, like the guy in charge of throwing the rovers to Mars. And like, sure, it's interesting. It's like a cool name to drop. But like, again, there would be no one more appreciative of it in the world. And then you're like, yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't really it doesn't really add up. And, And this is so I always say this to people and both my brothers say the same thing. And everyone else thinks we're insane. And so I can only imagine that you would relate to our insanity. (laughs) Is is I often say that despite being the single worst thing to ever happen, it was also the most beneficial thing to ever happen to me. In that it well, one, you you you're forced to look at death in the eyes instead of thinking of it an abstract thing. I'll die when I'm ninety. You're like, all right, yeah, yeah. I'm 23, he's 27. You're like, all right. But it also, it like took a flamethrower to any idea that I had of like, like my life. Like, so when he had committed suicide, I had just gotten into medical school. I was like, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to have the white picket fence. I'm going to do the, mm-hmm. you know, like leave it to Beaver. And like, right. yeah, I was, I was pretty happy. I kind of knew I didn't want to do it. But for the most part, I was like, yeah, this is just life. You get older, you kind of accept it. And after that, it really made me stop fearing anything. And, and it led to several years of just unimaginable terror and, and drug abuse. But then like, but it also gave me the balls to like go out and like start a podcast. And like, you don't care mm-hmm. about getting rejected. You don't care about how it's received. You don't care about people saying like, dude, you could be a doctor and instead you're yelling at a microphone in a closet. Like, (laughs) but you don't care anymore because you're like, dude, I've seen, you know, like I've, 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 
you don't care. It's just yeah. nothing, nothing holds a flame to it. You're like, you're like, I, I can't get sad at this podcast not succeeding because I've experienced sadness. I can't, yeah. as angry as I get at the microphone for not working, it doesn't hold a candle to like the blind rage of his anniversary. Um, you, uh, any anxiety I have or any like retroactive, like analysis, analysis of this podcast I do doesn't hold, it doesn't hold anything to the retroactive analysis of like, what could I have done to prevent my brother's suicide? So right. I kind of want to toss that into your court. Like, does any of that resonate with you? Oh yeah. Um, you know, so Chris was always kind of the front man. You know, he was always the the face of everything and the voice, you know, because he had made a name for himself in the military. Um, and, you know, I mean, I did my time in the military as well. I, you know, wasn't a legend by any means, um, you know, but and he would always say, you know, he was at the right place at the right time every time. And, you know, he's like, I didn't do anything special. I just did my job and I happened to be at the right place at the right time. I'm just a monkey on a gun. Yeah. Which we all know is <laughs> bullshit, but yeah, you know, I was, and I was more than happy to, you know, be his brother and help him do whatever he wanted to do, whether it was push his books around. Um, you know, he, he started up a foundation. A, it was a fitness foundation and it provided, uh, gym equipment to veterans, you know, cause whenever we return home, you know, we all kind of go through our funk. We don't want to be around people being in a gym around a, you know, a bunch of yay who wasn't the best idea that, you know, we could see in our minds. So, you know, we all kind of get fat and lazy and start drinking too much and thinking about everything that we went through. So he, he we, whenever we both got out, we started working out again and we saw what it did to our mentality, yeah. you know, kind of got us clear again and got us back in the game. And so he started that foundation and it was great. You know, and I, I sat on the board and I assisted and I did things. And then after, you know, after he passed, then I guess the, I guess the second night or third night or something like that, that they wanted to do the family, family message to, you know, to the public about everything. Um, you know, there was no way my parents were going to be able to do it. And they said, well, we're going to get somebody to um, represent the family and give that message to the public. And I said, bullshit, there's, if you're not family, you're not giving the message, it's going to be family and I'm going to, you know, I'll do it. So, you know, I kind of, I threw myself into that position and it forced me to, to face it, you know, head on and to, I guess, relive it on a daily basis because mm -hmm. I started doing a lot of interviews and a lot of podcasts and stuff like that. And then getting out there and doing, continuing to do what he was doing and, you know, meeting different people and, you know, just kind of broadening my, my bandwidth with people. And, you know, so it, it helped me open up and, you know, get away from my, um, I guess 
my hobbitness, you know, cause I didn't want to be around people either. You know, I was, I was the same, same as every other freaking veteran that came back. I didn't like people. I didn't want to be around anybody, you know, little things that set me off. So I just, you know, secluded myself at the house and did things at home. So it kind of got me out of my shell and got me out there. And then when that foundation kind of, kind of failed, um, due to, I guess, management really, um, you know, cause we weren't really involved with it a whole lot. Um, you know, we, we started our own foundation a year after he was killed and we started giving back and, you know, last year I did, I did an interview and la- up to last year, we have given back over $4 million Jeez. to either veteran organizations, first responder organizations, or individuals themselves. Um, you know, it's just like this last weekend, we had a golf tournament. We have one every year here in Waco. And um, we raised a little over 45000 and immediately donated back 25000 back to uh, local. One of, them, one of the organizations was or is a uh, – it's a firefighter honor guard, and they're a nonprofit, and, you know, they, they raise money to assist their firefighters. And then just last week there was a, a lieutenant firefighter here in Waco that – his house burned down as ironic as that is they lost everything. And so, you know, we donated to the family to assist them and trying to get back on their feet. So, you know, I mean, that right there has enabled me to, you know, to get out and do things like that and continue to do what Chris did and, you know, keep his name clean, keep him, you know, honored, and, you know, it, it's been, it's been great, you know, and going through all this process through the years, you know, has, has helped me clear my head yeah. and put me in the right positions, you know, the right spot at the right time, I guess, kind of like him and, you know, allowed me to, you know, kind of do what I'm doing now. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> probably yeah, leading up to i don't know maybe in and around a year after my brother died i i me and my brother started like a charity raised a bunch of i think like 15 grand for just like mental health research and then i eventually shut it down because i realized all day every day i was involved in something named after my brother about my brother trying to prevent a future and i was like maybe maybe like constantly <laughs> reopening yeah. a wound isn't the best mode of healing and right so I eventually stopped that. But um, one thing that has, and, it, and I've talked about it really from the first episode on this podcast, that like my ultimate goal is to make sure that his death wasn't in vain. Like, right. I, you know, it might be confidence, it might be delusion, but I, you know, I fully intend on making this podcast succeed wildly. Um, I want to, I want to, I want to really, I'd have to get a ton of money. So it's like years, <laughs> decades down the road but I want to uh, set up like some specific like mental health, like research hospitals, um, something that, that helped me a lot 
more so than therapy was, and this is beyond the scope right. of this episode, was was actually doing like uh, psychedelics. Like Matt, not in like a go to like a party. I mean, like I went and like sat, I went and like sat in the woods and took like a small dose of mushrooms and just kind of like sat there, meditated, prayed, and like it brought me a lot of peace. It was also when I did that. That's when I I got gained a ton of weight after he died. I was super mm-hmm. in shape. Not the military, but same thing. I stopped going to the gym. Got really fat. Right. Drank way too much. I mean, really fat, dude. Like put on like seventy pounds straight up. Like. Like man, like yeah. man titties, like Austin Powers, like it was bad <laughs> shit, dude. And uh, that went on for a couple of years. And but uh, the the point of all this is like psychedelics gave. I only did them on a handful of occasions, but they gave me the clarity when I realized, like two years later, I was like, oh man, I'm on a, I'm on a fast track to suicide. It's like it's mm-hmm. a matter. Of, it's like a plane going down. Like it might not crash for another like hundred miles, but it's like there's no gas. the The wings aren't moving, and I was like, I was just I wasn't trying to land it either. I wasn't nosediving, yeah. but I was like, you know, smoking if you got. I'm like, fuck it. Like, are there any cute flight attendants? Like, you guys want to drink? It's <laughs> things going down, engines on fire. I was like, I ah, don't worry about it. You know, fighter jets are on both sides. I'm like, no, it's cool. We're going to the mountain. Like, it gave me that realization that that's where I was going, and so. I told my parents that knowing full well, once I told them that, that there was no coming back, that they were going to come get me. And they did moved home, lost all the friends, girlfriend dumped me, tried to stay at home for like five years needed to happen. Mm-hmm. Ultimately led to this podcast, right. and most of the weight loss is gone. Most of it, most of it's gone. So, yeah. but, the, but the point of that whole thing is, so what I want to do is I want to actually see what the clinical applications of that are. And so like I've, I've made little steps over the last 800 episodes and recently uh, interviewing like the head of psychedelic for psychiatric uses at Johns Hopkins. So I'm like slowly putting the pieces together again, probably going to be like decades down the road, but that's something I want to do. I know it's not a silver bullet. Yeah. But I look at it as like mental illness veterans, right? 22 suicides a day. I know your brother wasn't suicide, but I mean, in in a way he was a tangential victim of mental illness. My brother was a direct victim. So like I that is something I want to do, but I was talking to a friend like a couple months ago, and uh, she made a good point because she had known me like before my brother died, and we hadn't talked in like eight years. And she was telling me she's like, "That's really like, that's really like." She's like, "I watch your podcast." She's like, "I think that's cool that you want it to have an impact." This is the point of me saying all of this. And she goes, "But it's also okay to just like live Tommy's life." And she's like, "Your whole the rest of your existence doesn't need to be built around." avenging if you will your brother the right. enemy being mental illness she's like it's sweet and if it helps you move forward and it does it helps me it gives me it feels like purpose mm-hmm. um is it just my own antidepressant i don't know if it is who cares but right. she brought that up and that kind of made me examine like does the rest of my life need to be hyper focused on that because in a way that's like the loss of another life. Like, is that what I really wanted to do? Did that make me stop focusing on getting married or having a family or whatever, just doing whatever mm-hmm. that whole 10 minute ramble was to kind of ask that to you as well. Have, has any part of you, cause you just mentioned all the things I mentioned. It allowed you to get back at, allowed you to find your own peace, right guy at the right time in the right place. That's mm-hmm. how I feel with a lot of it. But then there's also like the, it's also okay to just like close it up, like put a bow on it and like go yeah. live. Maybe I, maybe I quit the podcast and I go become a fucking carpenter and I'm happy as a clam. 
and it has nothing right, yeah. to do with mental illness, has nothing to do with charity, doesn't need to be some great story. You can just you can just go go live in God's country and just live your life. Like that's okay right. too. Have you yeah. thoughts on that? Yeah. Um you know, it's, it's crazy because like you said earlier, you know, a lot of the, we, we go through a lot of the same stuff and yeah. it resonates, whatever you say, you know, <laughs> I, I can see it. Um, Everybody so yeah, listening you know, to us is like these two psychopaths. <laughs> these are, yeah, these guys need fucking help. Yeah. And we do, but, but <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I a hundred percent agree with that. So, you know, for probably the first five years, after he was gone, I mean, that's all I did was just yeah. live to, to, you know, lived in his name basically yes. and did everything, you know, interview after interview after interview and, you know, public speaking and all this. And I was not happy. You know, I thought I was telling myself I, I was because I was doing a good thing, but it was taken away from my family. And it was, you know, it was dividing myself and my wife and my kids, you know, I wasn't, wasn't there for my kids because I was constantly traveling, doing all this. And just in the past, probably a couple years, I've, I've really, this is the first podcast interview that I've done in, I'd say a year or more. And, you know, because I have, I've just, I've stepped back, you know, I've got, I've got my career, yeah. you know, I love doing what I do, you know, being a peace officer sucks, but it's, it's awesome. Yeah. I love it. And, you know, I'm fortunate enough to be in a city that, you know, they, they still support the police. So, you know, even, even the guys that we arrest, you know, they still respect us. You know, and we respect them, you know, right. Hey, bad guys, bad guys. We got to have bad guys to have police. So, yeah. you know, they, they help us keep a job and, you know, <laughs> they, they want to continue to, to win. So, you know, Hey, it's all good. Yeah. Um, you know, but, uh, yeah, I, I definitely feel that, that it's really helped me to kind of step back a little bit. You know, I'm still, um, you know, I'm still very active in the foundation, you know, and I'll, I'll probably never get away from that, but that allows me to, um, you know, to be, to be me, you know, like I always tell my kids, you do you boo boo. And, yeah. you know, so that's, that's what I'm doing. I'm just, I'm doing me, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to, to be Chris Kyle, you know, I'm just doing me. I'm loving my job. I'm loving my family. And, you know, I, go to work at night and I come home and I see everybody the next morning and it's great, you know, have breakfast together, drink coffee together, all that. And, you know, coach softball and I mean, it's just great. So I've, I've been able to get away from doing, I guess, more of the, the interviews and things like that and reliving that on a daily basis. Yeah. And I think that's helped me, you know, kind of calm down and slow down a little bit and open my eyes to, to what's directly around me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, and I was going to say, I, as I'm sitting here trying to explain how like, it's okay to every once in a while, like, cause my mom watches all of my episodes and uh, 
and uh every once in a while i'll message her you know like if there's like a really in-depth video about maybe not even my brother but like my own kind of descent mm-hmm. i know she just doesn't like she doesn't i mean understandably doesn't want to hear that story even though it's years right now, year, year. but every once in a while if it's like a really kind of really touchy i'll just let her know mm-hmm. I'll be like hey fyi like th- this one might not be for you and um <laughs> just because i'm like i just don't i don't you know you, you know it's my mom she'll you know yeah. I, don't, I don't think a mother will ever quite recover in the same way that probably even my dad or my brothers did right it's just Right. I think it's different when you literally grow yep. the person inside of you as the first child. But like, yep. I was going to say, like, I'll, I'll email her or not email her. I'll text her that. And like, uh, kind of asshole emails their mom. No, I'll text her that. And, uh, and she, I remember one time she, she said to me like, not that long ago. And she was like, she was like, yeah. She's like, so I went and listened to that episode anyway. She's like, that was fine. And I was like, yeah, I just wasn't. She was like, Tom, what I don't understand is like, you bring up John every episode. Why did this one stick out in your mind? And I realized that I was like, I constantly try to talk about how it's like in the rear view mirror and she'll be like, I don't think you've got an episode without mention. Like you would have to, I mean, that's like a lottery. Uh, someone go through 700 and this is episode 790. Somebody go through them, find an episode that I didn't mention. And I don't know, I'll g- give you a fucking one of the hoodies I make, but like, so it's like, isn't that, isn't that, it's just, there's some sort of like, like meta comedy here. We're doing right. a podcast exclusively talking about our brothers mentioning how we don't think about it anymore and it's not our life right yeah and it's just like that that's 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 us sitting at a bar talking about how great it is that we're going to join aa one day and it's like what are you (laughs) you guys are shit-faced at noon on a tuesday and we're like you're great you're about sobriety (laughs) it's like these assholes talking about um well thing of it is i mean it's you know we can't get away from it it's our life and this is you know it's it's what we do. You know, we're, we're never gonna, we're never gonna shed that, you know? I mean, it's both of us have said, it's kind of made us who we are. It's put us where we are. So, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't mind talking about it, Yeah. you know, but I just, I don't live my life on a daily basis, you know, going over it, you know, doing podcasts, doing interviews, talking to people, you know, I'm, I use, I use my history and what I've gone through out on the streets probably daily to help, you know, cause there's a lot of veterans around here and we go out on them all the time. And instead of taking them to jail or taking them to the, you know, the loony bin, then, you know, I mean, I'll sit there and have a conversation with them and, you know, cry with them, whatever. Sure. And, you know, get it out of them and, you know, it, it helps. Yeah. Um, uh, now despite, yeah, that's a good way to say, yeah, it's not that it's not part of you. It's just, maybe you don't need to live in it every day. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, I'll always, I'll always mention them. Just, I'll, I'll just be using it as like an analogy or something. Yeah. The, so the point I wanted to make, um, is, how does it No, it's it's different because obviously you've served so you probably have a much more in-depth interaction with it but for me for years it went on as like this woe is me to understanding that it happens to a lot of people there are a lot of people who are survivors of suicide but really maybe in the last like six months or so year i don't know i've actually started to look at it as like there are so many people in the world that would like give their left nut to have the worst part of their life be losing a sibling. 
Like mm-hmm. I just, you know, I mean, how how many families in in Yemen, you know, uh, how many like single kids had like their 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 families were vaporized by like a, a drone strike? Like I interviewed Dale Comstock all the time, youngest ever member of Delta Force. Right. He always kind of brings up those stories as well. He's like, after all of it, you start to look back and you go. I was so lucky to only have the trauma that I have. Like mm-hmm. I look at something like I've like a couple of weeks ago, I, I, I interviewed some uh, guys that fled uh, Ukraine with like their kids. And like, I mean, one of the guys sent, sent me a picture and it was like, they were like walking like through a field after their house had been like burned down. And it's just like, it's like a little girl with pigtails and her, like, her skin's ashen. She's like gray. She froze to death. Mm. And I'm like, I'm just thinking of that. And I'm like, I'm 31, great health, parents alive, married, healthy, both siblings alive. I have a college education. I have no debt. I'm my own boss. I live in a free country where there's no car bombs. There's no, mm-hmm. I can go to the, I can go to the, <laughs> You know, I can pick up a phone and have an ambulance here in five minutes if something is ever wrong. I can call the, I live in an apartment complex with a ton of cops. Like I get to do whatever I want. Um, man, what, what a, what a, what an out I had that the worst thing that's happened to me is losing a brother. Like, right. That's like stubbing your toe on the way on in the casino where you just want a hundred million dollars. Like, yeah, yeah. The stub toe sucks, but like I'm rich that's I, I more and more so i'm looking at and i'll say that to people and they'll be like that doesn't lessen like what you went through and, I, and i'll be like it, it kind of does like i i look at it and i'm like yeah mm-hmm. yeah man i mean what four hundred twenty-five thousand americans died in world war ii like dude i got i got out easy and i have a wonderful life the what what are your thoughts on that has any of it made you the, the people you visit on calls Mm-hmm. Has that made you go, God damn, like, you know, here's another veteran. And now there you are as a veteran. You're like, I go home to a wife and kids and have breakfast with them. This guy doesn't have any. Yep. Yep. What are your thoughts? Oh, on definitely. That? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, from even from when I first came back from, you know, the military, I was I was one of the fortunate ones. Me and Chris both were extremely fortunate for one to have each other to you know, kind of resignate everything off of. Um, but our family, you know, our parents are extremely supportive. You know, we're the same way. You know, our parents are still married, um, you know, alive. They're amazing people. Um, my in-laws are amazing people. My wife, you know, she's been there. She's seen me at my absolute worst. Um, you know, she's she's had to slap me a few times and, you know, kind of bring me back to my reality. Um, you know, I, I've got brothers that I served with that I'm still extremely close to, and I can pick up the phone Mm -hmm. any time of day, any day and call them and they'll be at my doorstep. Um, you know, I've got, I've got partners at the department that they're the same way. Um, you know, I'm, I've, I've got friends all over the place that support me and, you know, know me well enough to, 
be like, man, you know, you, <laughs> I've a buddy of mine that uh, I've been real close to for several years. I got to know him through Chris. Uh, he worked for Chris. He was a, a green beret and he lost his leg in 2006 in Afghanistan, uh, rehabbed, got his, um, prosthetic. prosthetic, went, stayed active, went, he was the first one-legged guy to go through Green Beret sniper school, um, stayed on to teach at the schoolhouse. And, you know, I mean, he's, he's just an amazing guy and he's pulled me out of more ditches than I can, you know, ever remember. But, he told me one day, he said, man, he said, you got to quit living in the past and quit dwelling on everything. You got to, you got to live well for them, not just for Chris, but for the rest of your brothers that you lost, you know, overseas. And when we came back, um, and it, it makes me sad because all the ones that I did lose besides Chris, they didn't have that support system, you know, um, they they kept living in the past and it got the best of them they couldn't you know they they didn't reach out to deal with their demons and you know like me i was like fuck it i'm gonna you know whoever wants to listen i'll talk you know because i it sucks to suck but it feels damn good to feel damn good you know yeah and whenever i you know I can talk about it any day to anybody, you know, that I know that I'm close to, and I've got such a huge support system that I can do that. And anytime that I'm having, you know, a crappy day, I can talk to them and it's, it's great, you know? So, I mean, I've, I'm fortunate enough that I've got, you know, me and my wife have 13 acres out here and, you know, we've got cattle and little stupid mini donkeys and, cats out in the barn and dogs out in the yard and you know we get to go around and do what we want to do you know my wife loves her job i love my job you know and i i do i get to sit there and relate to other people on the street whenever i come across them and it it makes me realize that is as little of a call as it may be that i'm going on it's their worst day. It's the worst thing that's happening to them. Yeah. And I get to see that and I get to be there. I get to be their sounding board to, you know, get them through that time. And, you know, because most of the people that we go on calls on, they're, you know, they don't have a good support system. They don't have, you know, they live in a, in an amazing country and, you know, get to do what they want, but they don't have that support system. Like, you know, like me and you do. And, um, you know, so their worst day is the day that I'm meeting them for the first time. And unfortunately, sometimes it ends up, you know, they're wearing bracelets, but you know, at least, at least it's, you know, they get to talk to me. They can, they get to yell and scream at me and cuss me up one side and down the other. And, you know, I just grin and bear it. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. So that's, it's kind of, I'd, I'd never thought about it that way. Yeah. Every person you see, that's their worst. That's the day that in 10 years, like, yeah, man, did I ever tell you that story about how I had to call the cops? Like, 
where they had the cops yeah. got called on me. I mean, back when I was in that dark spot in life and I had, I mean, I mean, it is, it is sheer luck that at no point in my lowest was a cop ever called on me. Like it yeah. probably should have happened. Like I felt mm-hmm. I, something's not, there's no karma. I somehow got it. <laughs> like, you know, it's still coming. The karma train's still coming around. So it's like a, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a fucking boomerang. It's still yeah, yeah. somewhere in orbit. It's coming for me. But like, that is sort of like a, yeah. And it, and it sounds, you know, it is like, you probably wouldn't be able to be that sounding board or that punching bag mm-hmm. if you hadn't survived everything you've survived. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 So like, yep. it is sort of, it isn't in vain. And, whenever I look at things like it's not in vain, like I get to, you know, text a friend who's suicidal and I can talk them out of it. I can talk to them and whatever. And I always tell myself, I'm like, see, it's not in vain. And then like the critic in me is like, that's just you trying to like justify what happened. And yeah, but at the same time, who cares if it, right. if it makes my day a little better, who gives a shit? Yeah. You no, know? if it's, yep. if it, if you have a great dream or if you have a bad dream, it's still bad while you're in it. You know, sure. You wake up, you go, Oh, it's just a dream. You know, tell that to the version of you in the dream. That's being like eaten by a lion or something. Like it doesn't make you feel, don't worry, Tommy. It's just a dream. Like I don't care. (laughs) This sucks. (laughs) Right. So at the same time, if you're kind of, if you can find like a justification or a way to make it more palatable, like who, who cares? It's a placebo. I know, I know you just broke your leg and I, and you think you got morphine, but you actually got a placebo. I don't care, dude. I'm not in pain anymore. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, to kind of, to kind of like pivot from that. Um, some, and this is less of really nothing to do with your brother, but more so just about someone that has served. Um, because I do interview a, a ton of green berets, Delta force guys, CIA guys. What are your thoughts on, the kind of gung-ho-ness that a lot of people have about, you know, we need to go to Ukraine. You're, and by the way, there's no right or wrong answer. I don't give a shit. But like, I'm not trying to like throw you in the hot spot. Now tell us about your hot sta- your hot take. Chris Kyle's brother on Ukraine. No, it's, uh, yeah. I just, you know, I have, I have a lot of people that, I mean, yeah, sure. Your heart goes out to them. You're like, that sucks. But then like, like I said, literally like texting with like the refugees there and they're showing these pictures of like a frozen girl. I'm like, Jesus. But then, but then you talk to like the, you know, the Marines I have on the, I had Don guys that were at Kabul airport last year that lost friends and that suicide bombing. And you talk to them and they're like, yeah, my heart goes out to them. I'm not yeah. going. And if right. you want to go, you can go tell me why that's my problem. And you kind of get this like cold bucket of water in your face. You have guys like me that have never left suburbia. And it's like, well, maybe we should stop. And then it's like you have friends that are like the same age as me and look twice as old as me. Like they're missing right. limbs and they're just like, do you want to go, Tommy? Do you want to go win hearts and minds? Do you want to go nation build? Good luck. What are yep. your what are your thoughts on that? Just again, not nothing to do with your brother, but more so like the guys that you lost. How has that shifted your mindset? Joe Kent. Joe Kent, former Green Beret. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's running for Congress out of Washington State. Total badass. He lost, His wife was CIA. She died in a suicide bombing January 16th, 2019. He's raising two little kids on his own. He's running for Congress now because he he he, he doesn't like the direction the country is going in. I've got to meet him. Yeah. Total badass. 
and he talks about how he was in Green Beret training on 9-11. And he was like, I'm telling you as someone that was full steam ahead, he was like, absolutely not should we go into Ukraine. He was like, I've been the guy that said, rah, rah, let's go. That was 20 years ago. No, not just blood and treasure. Well, blood. It's not our thing. So just, again, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to like put you on the hop, but more so just anyone that served that I interview, I kind of throw it to now because so many people can say, send in the Marines, no fly zone. And it's like, who's doing it? So yeah, Yeah. what are your thoughts? I mean, I, my stance is kind of the same as the rest of them that you've just talked about. I mean, I, you know, it's not our fight. It's not it. You know, we've got so much shit here in our country that, you know, we can't even take care of. Yeah. You know, we've got huge amounts of illegals coming across the border every mm-hmm. single day. And, you know, the people up in D.C. are just turning a blind eye to that and saying it's not a problem. And but yet wanting to funnel billions of dollars over to Ukraine and send the military, which I mean, it's, it's bullshit. Yeah. You know, I mean, when is it ever going to be enough? When are we going to stop putting our fucking noses in everybody else's problem? You know, I mean, let it be there. There has been wars in countries since the beginning of time and there will continue to be wars in countries (laughs) until the end of time. And we're not going to stop all of them. And we need to, we need to, we need to stop trying to be the world's freaking police and take care of our own damn country. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, I look like, I'm reading a book right now about it's called tomorrow, the world. And it's about, it's about the birth of like the, the American superpower, how they're mm-hmm. like setting up the pieces during world war two, a two ocean Navy far flung bases and, uh, you know, kind of accepting into the role, right. You had like FDR being like, I, you know, we, this let's, what, what are we doing with this thing with this machine we're building? And then you had all these Alan Dulles, you know, future head of the CIA, John Foster Dulles, you had all these guys saying like, hey, like in their mind, they were true believers. They were like, destiny's calling. Like America needs to go start swinging its big dick around. And like, all right, I'm not going to say that I know better than them. I don't know. <laughs> they, they lived uh, They lived 100 years ago. I have no idea. But right. like when I listen to like a, and those guys, I mean, what, FDR has been dead since 1945. Dulles brothers have been dead for 50 years. Like talking about a time when like uh, uh, black and white TVs were like a hot product. And like I listened to this like book and it's like a zoomed out view and you look at it from a hundred thousand foot view, 50 years in hindsight. And yeah, like it does make sense. You go, sure. There's always going to be one superpower. Mm-hmm. It's not us. It's someone else. That's just a cold, hard truth. If it, you know, it's just, you know, it's, if it's not us, it's them and vice versa. Right. Someone has to be the global hegemon. They're does, you know, if we're not protecting free trade lines, then China's bullying. I'd rather us than China. And like, it all makes sense when I'm zoomed out, looking back at decades where five years can go by in one sentence. And it's like, yeah, that does make sense. That does. And then it's like, it comes all the way up to like right now. And then I see it in like the, 
the blip of the like the blip of now and like what the actual cost like the guys have interviewed i mean i've been uh, a guy named sebastian like yeah his arm arm blown off in iraq and like he's sitting there talking to me i'm talking to you uh, i talk to these delta force guys and i'm like oh I don't exist a hundred years in the future to just zoom out and look at it as like pawns on the chessboard. Tactically. Sure. It makes sense. Mm -hmm. But when you look at the here and now and like the actual costs, it's like, well, in order to continue empire, we need to go to Ukraine. And it's like, hold the fuck up. Why? What are we? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So again, that really had nothing to do with our whole conversation. I was just kind of, kind of curious about your thoughts on that. Um, Everybody's got to know, man. Yeah. Um, and we'll wrap this one up in a, in a, in a couple minutes, but, um, anything I haven't, I haven't touched on cause I've kind of been ramming it all down your throat. Anything I haven't touched on, uh, kind of, or even your own like advice for me as someone that you are older than me, you're wiser than me. It seems like you have more years, uh, between Chris's death and yourself than John's death and myself, your advice. You know, um, I honestly, I can give you, you know, things that work for me. But, you know, I mean, the thing of it is what works for me isn't going to work for you, isn't going to work for the next guy. So, you know, I think doing what you're doing and being being completely honest about everything like you are, I mean, I think you're you're making a difference, not, you know, not only for the you know people that you talk to, the people that listen to you that aren't going to be a voice, that aren't going to be heard by anybody else and, you know, are sitting back going through some of the same stuff that, that we've gone through. Um, you know, you're, you're making that difference for them, you know, having, having the people on that you have on and, you know, having the, uh, experiences that you've had. And, you know, I think it's just, we got to all just continue to, to push forward and, live well for, you know, those that we've lost and, you know, not let their deaths be in vain, no matter how, you know, how they died. But, you know, we just gotta, we gotta do the right thing for them, you know, and continue to love them and just push forward. Are you going to like run for sheriff or something? No. Why not? Man, that's too political. Why not? I got zero, Someone man, needs I got to do zero it. Zero interest in politics. I don't like, you know. I listen to my chief and my sergeants and things at the office, but you know, I I don't want to be pulled by people that have never been in our shoes and have no idea, I and they just want to do it. Make the city look good. I think you need to do it. You know who Mike? <laughs> you know who Mike Duran is, right? Black yeah. Hawk Down. Yeah, uh-huh. I've interviewed yeah. him a couple of times. He's running for Senate out of Alabama. Nice. If you call him, if you call him a politician, he'll look at you like he wants to shoot you in the face. Like I'm yep. not a politician. He goes, I don't yep. want. I mean, Mike Durant's loaded, dude. He started his own like helicopter company. Like he got, he got sitting pretty. Mm-hmm. But he'll look at you and go, I'm doing it because this country is being is being stomped on, and it's on the graves of the guys I lost. I mean, the Delta Force snipers, Shukart and Gordon. Right, He's like, yeah. that's why I'm doing this. He goes, I don't want anything to do with politics. I want to be in and out of D.C. as quickly as possible. Same with Joe Kent. I talk yeah. to Joe. Joe Kent's like you. He's got a sleeve of tattoos. He's sitting there. He's like, I don't want to be fucking putting on a suit and doing. Like, I got to go to a fundraiser with him. 
he's like i don't he's like i don't i'm i'm from like the the walk of like we did we break things and kill people he's like this is exactly. so much he's like this is so much more aggravating having to like shake hands <laughs> and he's like but he's like i have to do it because like his 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 wife was going to be coming home from syria and mm-hmm. when trump was trying to w- withdraw from syria and when the joint chiefs fought back his wife like she stayed there she was killed by a suicide bomber so he's like he was like i have to do something so that's why I'm uh, that's that's how I'm pitching it. Not as like you want to go. If anybody wants to go in politics, something's wrong. They're they're a demon. What I'm saying oh, is yeah. like you have these guys like Durant and Kent, who like don't want anything to do with it, but they're like, I have to because if I don't, it's a slap in the face to like all the guys I lost. So uh, right. w- with that, I'm going to completely guilt trip you and say <laughs> I think you need to, man. You you know there is a fucking terrible crisis at the border. Uh, you do have people wanting to defund the police. Someone's got to step up and do it. And uh, so now I'm going to absolutely guilt trip you and put (laughs) put that cross on your shoulders. And now you've got a, now you've got a new cross to carry. You thought you're getting out of this one easy. Let's see how, how the, how the years go as just an officer first. We'll we'll venture into that. (laughs) Fucking fuck. Where's the spine? Come on, stand up, do it. You gotta, don't, don't take that backseat approach. I will say that we have a sheriff here that is no nonsense. He All puts right. up with absolutely zero bullshit. Right. And our new chief in the at the city department where I'm at, she is she's great. I have absolutely nothing bad to say about her. Um, she came from a absolutely shitty city and worked for an absolute freaking moron in that city. And she has done more for us in the short time that she's been here than, you know, the chief that we've had, that we had for years. And I mean, she wants the police to be the police and she wants us to be able to do our jobs. She wants us to have the best equipment and the best training and she wants us to get out there and kick some ass and clean up the streets. Fair enough. What about what about Congress? Oh, fuck that. Hey, Man, I, don't, I... I know you don't want that's the reason why you got to do it. You don't want it. <laughs> it's not like that's the exact re- that's why Mike Durant and Joe Kent are. They don't want to fucking do this. Yeah. I think you should, man. I've spent too much time away from my family and Fair freaking enough taking bites of shit sandwiches that I'll let some other people that actually I'm, I'm going to keep her asking. Do do I'm, I'm going to keep her. I, I do this to all the guys I have on. I'll we'll finish up an interview. And I'll be like, that was awesome. Delta force guy. And I'll be like, when are you running for office? And like, I don't want anything to fucking do with it. I'm like, do it. Nope. Um, yeah. Even yeah, Dale, the guy I interview, I'm like, Dale, you should run for Congress. He was like, when I have a problem, I get to shoot it in the face. And if I can't shoot it in the face, I can call in an airstrike. He was like, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to go after signed bills. <laughs> like That's I, right. Yeah. I vaporize things and I'm like, well, yep. you know, yep. all right. Well, fair enough. I'll, I'll allow it. Not that I have any fucking sort of authority or the audacity to tell someone I met an hour ago that they need to run for office if they want my approval. Like you give a fuck. Um, but <laughs> Mr. Jeff Kyle, thank you so much for coming on here, man. Um, hey man, I appreciate it. I would love to have you on. I'm, I'm probably just going to like use you as like a, as like a as a therapist because uh i i feel like you 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 know the you know the emotional insanity that comes with losing a brother and uh 
much like you being a cop, I can kind of sound off on you. You just act like a crazy person. I can sit here there and you tell go. how I'm going to shoot this microphone. And you're like, all right, all right, let it happen. Yeah. yeah. Other people are like, do I need to call the cops? You're like, tell me why the microphone's bad, Tommy. <laughs> Lay down on the shrink chair. Dr. Kyle's here. That's um, right. That's right. All right, brother. Thank you so much for coming on. That was an awesome. Thanks for having me, man. I enjoyed yeah. it. I'd love to have you on again sometime. I'll text it to you when it's up. And uh, yeah, man. Thank you so Sounds much. Sounds good, man. All, All right, right buddy. God bless. Take care.